SeatGeek, and you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's, that's, that's kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Episode 392 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, September 21st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I saw Atmosphere and Brother Ali last night. So uh, how was that? Got my hip hop on. It was it was fun. They 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 throw a good show. That sounds that sounds fun for sure. I'm gonna see a little known fella by the name of uh, Can Ken- West. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I was invited to it, so I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, no one's ever. <laughs> I've heard it's a really good show, though. I'm super, super excited to see him tonight uh, at the Frank Irwin Center, which is where the, the Longhorns play basketball. Not the best venue, unfortunately. You know, once once acts start to get to a certain level of, of you know, fame, popularity, they need to go into these bigger venues. And we, we don't have the greatest giant venues here um, yeah, in Austin. In, in fact, I don't, you know, I don't love those in general, like, you know the the uh, outdoor big arenas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know some of those. Are, you know, if you can sit on the lawn, you can have like a, a mellow time. But it's not necessarily the best for the music and the sound yeah. quality. And I, I'm not. You know, I don't think we're trying to be hipsters here. I just think right, that right. you know, once you get like, there's some great venues here, and even one of the bigger ones that does work, I think, is is ACL Austin City Limits, and that's that's definitely a giant venue. But the, the Frank Irwin Center, it's it's okay. It's come along. I've been to a ton of shows there, and it used to be a nightmare. Now it's 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 pretty good. It's going to be a good show. I'm super psyched. Yeah, uh, I saw we got baseball. Last, last year, atmosphere was at a place with maybe 500 or so. How much? How many were there now? I hope nobody. No, no. How many were there last night? Like how big yeah, was yeah, that? Yeah, 500 or so. Oh, okay. Maybe see. maybe 700, but it's a, like one of those, you know, mid-sized like smaller ones. See that that definitely works. Um, yeah. My favorite venue here is an outdoor spot that has holds about that, and it's it it's never bad. It's just never bad when you're when you're kind of in that five hundred to a thousand range. Yeah, I think is where it really there. works. Atmosphere not coming here. I checked this just to see if his tour was going to make it <laughs> to Texas. Nope, no dice. 
I guess I'll have to go see him in Toronto on November 4th. That's close enough. I, I don't know. Um, I got call-ups that I want to get your thoughts on, Eno. And then we're going we're gonna to stick with the streamers thing. I think that's helping some folks. Um, I mentioned when I t- was talking with Jason that you and I didn't have a great weekend of picks. So maybe we're the anti-pick. You know, maybe we can, we can bite Katie Nolan's uh, idea where she does fade that pick and you're supposed to take the opposite of what she does. Maybe when we say a person uh, that you should start, you, you go the other way because of how we did over the weekend. But I think we got some good names to go over. But first, I want to get into some call-ups. Yeah, they're still bringing, still bringing new players up. And frankly, I'm kind of surprised it took till now for Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot to come up for San Diego. These are two guys that, I don't know, I thought, I thought might have come up even in August just to get, a, just to get the, the extended look. But at the very least, I thought they'd get the full month. Instead, they're just going to get about a, about a week and a half. What do you think of Renfro and Margot? They're obviously different player, vastly different player types, but uh, can they deliver anything in these, in these final 10 days or so? I think maybe a little bit more likely that Margot can just because uh, all he has to do to provide uh, fantasy values, get on base. I, I do think he's the kind of guy who will take off. I don't think that, you know, the team is kind of go, go, go right now. You mm-hmm. know, Myers is stealing bases. There isn't any sort of concern. Oh, my big, my big bopper is up behind me. I don't want to get thrown out of the base pass. So if he can get on base, I think he'll, he'll be able to, to, uh, to steal some bases. I'm just worried that as a right-hander, you know, how much are they going to protect him? But as a right-hander also, like, I think they, they still see him as an everyday starter. So I think, uh, they'll, they'll want to throw him in against right-handers too. So Margot has, uh, three and a half stolen bases per 10 games in the minors. I understand that that's not the, the best calculation, but you could get three or four steals. I think, uh, assuming he doesn't come up and go Bregman on us and go two for 38 to start. If he gets a few hits, I think they're going to send Margot as well. Renfro, a power bat. You never really know. Homers, you know, they can come in bunches. So if he gets and going he also, right away. Yeah, he, he hit those 30 home runs in, uh, is it Tucson now? El Paso. El Paso. I can always get those mixed up. Darn it. But anyway, both of those places are complete hitters havens. And, Anthony Rizzo is a really good player now. Anthony Rizzo, when he came from El Paso to San Diego, was just lost. Yeah, remember his first? I mean, people should go look back at it now because, like you said, he is a superstar and it's all good. But his first taste of the majors at 21 back in 2011 was a nightmare. He had 153 plate appearances, obviously not a huge sample, but it's not, you know, a blip either. And he hit 141 with a cool 51 OPS plus. Yeah, he couldn't, and he, I think he's a bit of a pull hitter, and he just couldn't, you know, he couldn't pull that ball out of there. So we'll we'll see what Renfro's able to do. Obviously, Renfro's a a righty. Renfro Uh, has worse innate plate discipline, though, so. Certainly. You know, that can go either way. Maybe he just gets up there and just swings at everything and starts connecting. But um, so far, one plate appearance, so, you know, and and I, uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting that he's he was at AAA, uh, that would suggest that he's close. Uh, at the same time, they haven't of, treated him as if he was super close. You know what that, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That's and that's why I thought that both you know uh, Margot was at AAA as well. Like they they spent the full season there. That's why I thought both might actually get called up before September and actually be you know assets for a month and a half or so. And, and so I am a little bit surprised that they're only going to get like a 10-day look. Yeah, um, and, and on top of that, 
I mean, I, on some level, you can understand it because they're trying Oswaldo Arcia, and they're sure. trying. They tried Jabari Blash for a little bit. They're trying to see. Basically, when you're a bad team like this, you're just trying everybody. That's why there's a lot of fancy gold. I think on bad teams, it's just you know because that playing time. Yeah, somebody might just step in there and get some like playing shimp. time. But like, um, it is weird because Margot got the four plate appearances. He got the full start first, but you know Jankowski can play his position and Margot is younger than Renfro, you know, I think Oswaldo Arcia is kind of a DH in the outfield. And if Hunter Renfro could be good, he'd be a better solution in right field going forward. So it is kind of weird what has happened so far. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's going to keep happening. I mean, if I were the Padres, I think I would give Renfro 10 days. I mean, I don't think Arcia's, you know, Anything what, better than a third team this year? A backup? Yeah, yeah, yeah four teams. I mean, it, it's I'm 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 done. I'm 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 done on RC at this point. It's bad defense um, with no contact and very you know very little patience. So you really have not to cut the out power for the NL. really has to come through. Yeah, certainly not cut out for the NL. So we'll see how it goes with those two. A uh, few other guys, not not the the super elite prospects, but if you follow prospects, you know these guys, and so they could make a little bit of an impact if they get some playing time. Let's start out in Oakland with Matt Olson and Renato Nunez. Um, I think Matt Olson first base prospect. Nunez is he third base, so he's going to have trouble playing out because of Ryan Healy, a guy that uh, that you've promoted here. What about Olson and, and Nunez? Can can they can they deliver anything? Are they worth going out and getting at least? Yeah, I mean, uh, Olsen is the the prototypical, you know, Oakland prospect in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, walk rates near 20% and strikeouts rates near 25% uh, with some power. The problem just has been that the power has been sort of mediocre at the higher levels of the minors. 189 ISO is like, you know, is that enough for first base? He had a in triple a this year in a full season he had a 102 wrc plus so he's only two percent better than the league so um I, you know i'm not out on olsen but uh i don't know how much i'm in on him sure um that first base it, it, it's so tough but to first be a base first is a bit open with, with yonder alonso just being kind of boring but um let me see here i had the idea that Alonzo was a free agent, actually. And these two, uh, by the way, Olsen and Nunez, they've been up for a little bit. They're not fresh call-ups. Nunez played a few games. Um, so as Olsen, to your point about Olsen's plate discipline, he's he's 0 for 6, uh, but has 10 plate appearances because four walks. Meanwhile, Nunez just 1 for 11. So they, you know, they're, they're, they're scuffling to start. We're not going to go crazy on either and of that. I just I hope think, they still uh, get playing Nunez time. Nunez has been playing some at DH, which is now Strictly available. DH. Uh, Yonder Alonso has one more year. So I think that makes it a little bit harder for Olsen. Uh, Nunez can offer a little bit of defensive uh, versatility. I mean, he's been playing uh, at DH, but he could theoretically play at, at third base um, and give uh, Healy a blow. Your boy keeps raking, man. You yeah, really Healy. you really got me in on that. Once, once you gave such a resounding... Uh, endorsement of Healy, I, I dug in, and I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm in. I mean, I'm I'm He's I'm basically your, a spray hitter who learned how to hit for power, which I think is perfect. I'm your co-pilot on the uh, on the bandwagon here. But you know, it's, I heard a funny story, uh, a little bit secondhand, but um, 
Arismendi Alcantara is just a is an amazing uh, young man. I, I don't know if he'll ever be a great player. I want but, him to be. I really like his game when he's on. Yeah, and he's super happy. He just has this big infectious smile. And there were kids at the ballpark last night, and he had. Not, I don't even think he had to do any of it. Like he hadn't told anybody he was going to do it. And he just went over to the kids and was just hanging out with the kids and just had a big old smile on his face. So That's awesome. he's a really nice person, and uh, he has interesting anecdotes and, and, and things to say about guys. And he said that, you know, one of the things that's so great about Ryan Healy is just how strong he is and that he can get fooled on something and, and hit it out and uh, anyway. And, and um, he said as strong as Ryan Healy is, uh, Nunez is stronger. So... He has that going for him. He does not have much plate discipline going for him. And if they're playing him at DH, he doesn't really have uh, much defensive versatility. I mean, you'd think that they'd they'd tried Max Muncy at second base. You'd think that uh, they would try Nunez at second or or, or something. But, um, you know, I guess the DH role is kind of open. You know, I mean, they yeah. don't, you don't I mean, normally they, like they, to put a young guy in there. They cut Butler, but they pretty much only have younger guys right now. Right. You know, at, at this point, like um, Alonzo is basically the elder statesman, but he's a quality first baseman. So they're going to keep playing him there. Uh, Valencia could maybe get some some burn at, at, at DH then. But uh, they do kind of have a lot of corner guys as well. Oh, here, guys here who are first and third eligible. Uh, 12 games in Nashville in left field. First time he's played anywhere but third or first, and that's that's Renato Nunez. Yeah, and all of a sudden you, you're talking about oh, that could uh, be interesting. You'd have you'd have to move Chris Davis over to right then, yeah. Uh, I think what you would be doing is is putting Nunez on the roster as a DH uh, slash LF and or whatever outfield, and just be hiding him basically in the outfield and okay. play him in the non in the oppo field. You know, like if if it's a left hander, you know. You know, I got you. Around. Um, but I do think that there's a little bit of uh, daylight out there. I mean, they I doubt they're going to sign Reddick. I mean, they had all the chances in the world, and they I think their yeah. biggest offer to anyone right now is 3-36, and 36, which doesn't really get you a, 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 a position player, really. No, even, even with Reddick, you know, not not doing well with, with the Dodgers. I mean, maybe he'd want to come back, but... I don't. I don't think they're going to. Valencia, you know, probably not long for the team. Right now, there's some sort of Eibner, Smolensky, Arismendi, Alcantara center field situation, mm-hmm. uh, which means that right field is open. Uh, and yeah, maybe you move Davis around. Davis has no arm at all. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you just DH Davis, um, and uh, and put uh, Nunez out there. Uh, any case, uh, Nunez. I guess also. I mean, whatever, if, whatever you say, if if you whatever you say about Nunez, if it's if it's first base or DH, then you've got to you got to football Olsen in there. But um, I this is kind of a dynasty eighteen team. Put him on your bench situation. I don't think you know score sheet prospect stuff. It's not. Uh, yeah, these, these are not elite level prospects for Oakland on the hitting side. Uh, let's talk about Rio Ruiz. Over in Atlanta, he just got called up. He's only had one one pinch hit at bat. Um, you know, was a prospect of more acclaim with Houston, and then he got traded over to Atlanta. I remember seeing him in the fall league. Uh, you know, didn't didn't really blow up uh, in the fall league. Has been not great with with 
with Atlanta, although he's always been young. He's still a really young guy, just 22 years old, had you know passable season in, in AAA, but not a lot of fantasy uh, appeal necessarily, unless you can tell me differently, because there's no singular category that he doesn't have a ton of power, doesn't run, uh, not a huge batting average guy. What's up with Rio Ruiz for Atlanta uh, third baseman? You know, it's it's a power position, and there's not very many Martin Prados. At uh, yeah, exactly. He'd have to hit a heck of a lot better right now. Rio Ruiz would to be a Martin Prado. Yeah, and he doesn't have, and he has, he's he kind of in every way, but the actual power itself, he profiles as a power hitter, right? He's like twelve percent walks, twenty two percent strikeouts, and a one hundred ISO. You're the quintessential power hitter. All you're missing is the power. <laughs> yeah. We so, love everything else. Uh, you know, like you said, he's young. He's shown glimpses of, of league average power. Usually if he's given a full season, he'll, he'll you know, so far he's been able to hit double-digit homers. Uh, also, the Braves are really hurting at third base. So, I mean, yes, Adonis Garcia has been a person. Um <laughs> But uh, I don't think he's a. This person. just hit. <laughs> Adonis Garcia. It's a person. person. Uh, but I don't think he's a person you want to rely on very long. I mean, uh, one win so far, kind of middling to bad defense, uh, no plate discipline. 32 um, next year as well. Like, not blocking anybody. Should be a bench bat. And as a, as a bench bat, I think Adonis Garcia is perfectly adequate. But actually, as a full-time yeah, especially starter. as a righty. You know, and he's 31, yeah. so it's not, you know, you're, you're just going to keep him through his peak years, uh, use him, and then as he falls off and you get something better, then you use him as a righty pinch hit bat that can play mm-hmm. third. That's, yeah. that's and, not and useful. That, he that's can, not he, he that can useful. even bounce around a little bit um, to the outfield if you had to. Like that, That's going to be his role. They, he was a placeholder this year. He gave him the 525 plate appearances. Like you said, it was like a one-win sort of season for Adonis Garcia, but he's not blocking Ruiz. But is Ruiz a full-time starter in your estimation as early as next year? Um, I, I keep looking What's, at that like Pablo Sandoval trade. Maybe maybe I'm just crazy. Um, he's projected to be 30, uh, 36% worse than league average of the bat. That's not great. No. And I don't, also I don't see names. a lot of stuff... I, and there wasn't that that much excitement. I mean, there was some excitement about him, but I I, I think that more. Uh, well, you know, Kylie saw fifty five raw power in him, okay, and, and twenty twenty, you know, current game power. So that's that's just the that's just the ticket, I guess. You know, it's just you know if he can actually add power, but he hasn't shown it yet, and I think he'll go back to the minor leagues. I think they'll say try another try another year. Yeah, because even if you put Rio Ruiz back in the minors for most of next year, he's twenty three. You know, it's right. not it's not it's not the end of the world to, to keep him down there. All right, uh next up Dan Vogelbach, who is whose position is hitter and <laughs> when he was traded to the American League in hitter the Mike Montgomery eater. deal. What's that? Hitter slash eater. Exactly, exactly. He, he he's a big fella, uh, but he can rake so far, you know, we've only we've only seen him for eleven plate appearances, one for ten with a walk, five strikeouts. Not going any, not going to go crazy off of any of that. The 23-year-old uh, did have a big season in the minors this year, 923 OPS with uh, 23 homers, 96 ribbies between 
Iowa and Tacoma. You know, got to stay in the same league there when he was traded over. Not as, you know, obviously, let me know what you think about picking him up for the next 10 days. But but I'm, I'm interested in a more broad view. Like, is this somebody who can be their full-time DH next year? You know, the, the easiest, I think the easiest comp to lay on him is a lefty Billy Butler, okay. um, which I think is, that would be a pretty decent player. I mean, he would have a platoon advantage more than Billy Butler himself did. Um, and Billy Butler had plenty of years that were useful. Yeah, let's, don't get too hung up on recent, you know, like when you hear that name now, you right. might think of a certain vintage, but the, Billy Butler used to be a really strong hitter. You know, and Vogelbach has that same combo of uh, good walk rates and, and decent strikeout rates and some power. So those years where Billy Butler, who was hitting 300 or 15 homers, basically, uh, like I, I don't think that's impossible for Vogelbach. Uh, maybe a little bit lower batting average because his strikeout rates have been a little bit higher. But um, uh, and also, you know, it's funny. He's, he's like a Votto guy, like right off the bat. 36% swing percentage, 359 Uh Right wow. now, the leader in non-swinging uh, wow. across across the league. Uh, it was Joey Votto for a while, but Adam Jones is the leader of swinging. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say it's Adam Jones now. Was, wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> that would be like a record scratch. Yeah. No, obviously Ben Zobrist and Joe Maurer. That fits. And they're at 35.9. So that, Vogelbach that is fits. going to be that type of player where he's just not going to swing it very much. Uh, he may need to swing a little bit in order to convince pitchers to throw him strikes, but um, or throw him. Wait, has to swing in order. Well, I don't know. He, I, well, he may it, need to to swing to get going i mean he has to i was gonna say yeah if if if, if you if you go to, if you get to the level where Vogelbach's too passive yeah. they're just gonna keep throwing him strikes and get ahead on him and then put him in bad situations right. so he might need to swing and would i think in oh, order to he needs to swing balls. in order to get fastballs because if the guy is not swinging what you do is you throw curveballs and and sliders yep. and he has oh look at that he's got 28 percent fastballs which would be the lowest number of all time, and twenty-three wow. percent curveballs. So I know he's only you know got eleven plate appearances, but that's going to be the book: is throw a curveball in the zone, and he's going to have to swing at some fastballs in order to get more fastballs. Otherwise, or swing at everything to get more fastballs. Otherwise, they're just going to fill up the zone with curveballs on him. Watch out, Vogelbach! They're going to be curving you like crazy. Um, last guy, Roman Quinn. It's a guy we saw, we've seen in, in the fall, maybe twice, maybe not, but definitely once. And I don't know, like he doesn't get a whole lot of acclaim as a prospect, but anytime I've seen him, which has been in the fall league, uh, I, I kind of like this game, you know, big speedster, um, you know, capable hitter. I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a terrible hitter. Can, has a little bit of punch where he's not going to give you the, uh, the 30 stolen bases, zero homer. And I know like the difference between zero and like, Six to eight homers is not life changing, but man, for me, it's just I always have I've always had struggles taking the Juan Pierre's and the Ben Revere's and getting that 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 zero or one. Um, he had six homers in seventy seven games this year in Double A. 
that's the thing, though. He made the jump from double. We haven't seen Roman Quinn even hit AAA yet, and he's already 23. So that's a little bit alarming for sure. He's been up now for nine games. He's doing a little bit of, little bit of damage here. Uh, we've seen a couple stolen bases. He's hitting 250, 357 OBP, but only 333 slug. So his OBP is higher than his slug. What do you think about Roman Quinn outfielder for the Phillies? I, I think that the bringing up Juan Pierre is a good a good idea because I I think he'll be one of those guys who's better on in fantasy than he is in in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Just, you know, a little bit like Billy Hamilton, where you know he'll be able to steal bases and play center field, but everything else is really a question. Um, but um, you know, he's a switch hitter, which is interesting. I don't know how that fits in with Odubel Herrera. I know that Odubel has some really interesting defensive, you know, roots to the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you you move Herrera, but I think an outfield with Herrera and Quinn in it at the same time is a little weird. A lot I mean, of speed. Yeah, but but you know, not much power. And then, yeah, you know. <laughs> They have it. They've, they're like the worst run scoring team in baseball. Is that and, good? You know, no, it's not good. And I don't think oh. that Quinn okay. changes, you know, ch- you know, changes that in a big way. So maybe there's a trade there. I mean, they they're close. The Phillies were, I think, closer than they seem. I mean, you if you, if you I think look both at how they those started, bottom feeders are uh, Philly and Atlanta. I think are closer than they might feel when you go look at the the records this year and see that how bad they were. I think that they're Atlanta not... had the best uh, weighted runs created plus in the second half so far. Yep, and they're tenth in runs total runs scored. It's Actually, weird. I think up to eighth now after the past couple of days when they keep they just keep scoring. You know who's been a big catalyst for them? Obviously, Freddie Freeman's been out of his mind, but Matt Kemp has been crushing. He's been really really good for them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you probably know this, but uh, I think some folks might be surprised to learn that it's going to be a 31. I mean, he already has a 3,100 guy. He got his 100th ribby yesterday. So it's a 3,100 season for, for Matt Kemp. Um, he's just been really, really good with Atlanta, 847 OPS. So Matt I Kemp. Think, I think that Atlanta kind of, <clears throat> kind of just has a little bit different um, opinion about the value of defense than – for example, the rest of the league. Um, you look at what they did with Anderson Simmons, right? Yeah. And they, they had the best defensive They'd, shortstep, you know, bar none. Well, they and, had two of the best defenders in, in, in baseball with Hayward and Simmons, and both were traded. Yeah. And uh, the, the return on Simmons wasn't so amazing that it was one of those deals where, like, you know, like even if you wanted Shelby Miller for the future, when you get an offer like they did for Shelby Miller, you do it. You know, absolutely. I, I mean, th- there's but no the way they could turn Simmons that down. Simmons was more like, eh, he's getting kind of expensive, and you know, maybe what did they get? Newcomb? Maybe Newcomb will be able to rein it in. You know? Yeah, they got Newcomb and another guy who people saw as maybe like a maybe like a back end starter. Can't remember what his name was. Chris something was maybe. They get Blair in that deal. No, Blair went from. No, Blair. Blair was in the other one. I guess we could just pull it up since we are on the internet. Let me see. But Newcomb did not figure it out. And Sick they went walk and got, Newcomb. You know, they went and got Matt Kemp, who 
You know, what's weird is on top of that, that they all, yeah, no, they definitely have a different idea of defense because they also signed Marcakis, who has been a decent bat, but, you know, hasn't been a good defender, at least by our numbers. It was Chris Ellis, and Eric Ibar was, of course, thrown in to, uh, to, to fill, fill the spot for, for most of the year, and he was actually so brutal, but um, kind of gotten back to his, his normal level Ibar has with the Tigers. Uh, you mentioned Sean Newcomb, by the way, 4.6 walks this year in 140 That's innings. Smart. You know, the fact that he actually has good to decent ERAs these last couple of years speaks to how unhittable he is when he isn't walking everybody. Doesn't allow homers, doesn't allow a lot of hits, gets a lot of strikeouts, but that walk rate, once he hit, he's going to hit triple A next year, once you start getting in the upper minors and, of course, the majors, that walk rate's going to be exposed. So I, I just, it, it's suspect with, with Sean Newcomb, but um, I think that they are doing some interesting things in both those clubs. Obviously, we started that conversation with Philly, Philly and Atlanta, so both think, doing some, you know, some the, things. The reason I brought that up is that with Quinn and, and, and Herrera, they may see a trade out. I don't know, that could, be a, that could be a little bit concerning if it's Herrera that's traded, because Herrera is a Rule 5 guy with iffy defense wherever he plays, and uh, not a ton of power. So it's like all hit tool, and you never know where he gets traded if it doesn't if it doesn't uh, look great. Oh no! Wait, wait! It's always going to look great because he bat flips everything, and I love Odell <laughs> Herrera for that. He yeah, did. but if it doesn't like if it doesn't necessarily start out right away great, then the other team may just see him um, as a part time player. I mean, for for I don't know though. He's been a four win guy. He has some power. I love I love Arbel Herrera. I mean, he's, he improved his punch a little bit this year. It's it's not overwhelming, but it, again, it's it's hardly a zero. Um, it's, it's, it, Maybe there's room in that outfield for Herrera and Quinn. The walk rate, you know, the, there was a lot of there was a couple stories um, early this year about the off season where Herrera apparently his dad like clowned him for striking out too much. Like, what, how are you striking out a quarter of the time? Like, you don't have enough power to be striking out like that, um, and so. You know, he cut cut his strikeout rate, doubled his walk rate. That's a big deal yeah, for yeah, yeah. for Odubel Herrera at twenty at twenty four years old. It did. It did. Like he was on like a fifteen percent walk rate yeah. to start, <laughs> and you know it it waned for sure. But he's still going to end with about a ten percent. He's at nine point eight right now, so it's going to be give or take there uh, for Odubel Herrera with a twenty percent strikeout rate, which is improved upon the the twenty four percent from last year. So all in all, a really sharp line. For him, interestingly enough, it's going to be the same WRC plus. Just the makeup of it was a little bit different this year. Um, and then the defense, like you said, is, is well. The fielding numbers were actually really good last year. They've been about average to a little bit above this year. I don't think he has a great arm. I think he's more using his speed. But twenty-four stolen bases, so he's going to get fifteen homers, twenty-four stolen bases. Fantasy-wise. Odell Herrera, really good player. Maybe yeah. not quite as good in real life, like you were saying about Quinn, though. Too. I wonder. I wonder um, how he'll be treated in drafts next year. Maybe he'll be underrated again. I mean, he's there's something Being about on a terrible those team. Bad teams. Yeah. Yep. They, they and then don't back get as much to the love. Quinn thing, he only has to beat out Aaron Al- Aaron Alt- All Right There, <laughs> and uh, or Tyler Goodell. So, uh, you know. I thought Tyler Gunnell was in witness protection, man. Where'd that that guy disappeared? So he he could actually win himself a a, a job next year, 
Quinn. Uh, with his play right now, Ron Quinn, yeah. Because so even... Quinn, Odebell, and then I wonder where they're going to go because I don't think you can give Borges playing time again, Goodell. Right. Maybe, then, maybe they want Altair. Is open, you know, honestly. Yeah. Maybe they want to go Quinn, they're both, Altair. They're 27th and 28th on the depth charts in left and right field. Ooh. The problem is that they all have these, they have a ton of center fielders. I mean, that's yeah, why really the only reason I think about a trade is like trade into some power in the corner, but. No, you're right. I think that is something that they could entertain. Um, I'll be interested to see how both these teams, Phillies and Atlanta, uh, address their offseason because they can make moves. They've got prospects. They've got some some flashes this year of quality. It was Philly in the first half, Atlanta in the second half that showed that, again, they're closer than I think a lot of people might think when they initially think about those teams as bottom feeders. All right, you know, let's talk some streamers here. Jason and I covered everybody through today, Wednesday. So you and I are going to look at Thursday and Friday. I'll start with a few Thursday names that I like. You let me know how you're feeling on these. Tyler Chatwood on the road uh, in L.A. against Dodgers. Uh, On the road is the only spot you've really been able to use him this year. It's not even great on the road from a skill standpoint, but I think it works because he's not in course, and it's a a contact-based approach. So I think that's what allows Chatwood – to, to still find success despite like a 1-8 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Seth Lugo has been really sharp uh, filling in for the Mets. And then Blake Snell, who's been you know definitely hit or miss, but it's a gamble that, I, that I'm willing to take. Thursday's a light slate, as it usually is. We still ha- we have a handful of off days. Uh, by the way, Lugo's facing Phillies and then Snell uh, against the Yankees. So th- those are the three that I like right off the bat. What do you think of those those three Assuming guys? Samarja. You know, in San Diego is not an option. I checked him. 89% at, at ESPN yeah. still. He floats around 70, 80. I knew that. Uh, I think it's 81 at Yahoo. But in any case, uh, assuming Samaj is not there for you, I, I think Seth Lugo, Seth Lugo is the winner of that day. Okay. He's just uh, it's a bad, bad, uh, bad offense in Philly. and They're at home in New York. And we've talked about how Lugo's curveball, he had to put it away in the minors and how it's been better in the majors. And, you know, honestly, I know that Lugo's like strand rates and batted ball, batting average on ball and play and, and stuff like that. I know that those things will regress, but he also has a decent whiff rate. So exactly. He's, he's contributing to those in my opinion. Yeah. And also like, you know, things could even out in a way that the projections don't foresee, which is that, you know, right now he's happy for people to try to put his curveball in play and do it poorly. But if they start laying off the curveball, he does other things to get strikeouts instead of you know weak contact. Or, you know, so like, you know, and I, I'm the, I'm confident he actually has the weapons. You know, in in terms of what's in his arsenal, and that I also think that his poor play in Vegas is overrated by projections. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the key factor is that curve that you mentioned. That that's that's his best pitch, and it's almost unusable in a place like Vegas. Um, so I think that that's a huge deal for for Lugo. And the fact is, the the clock could run out before regression really hits him too. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've only got two more starts, so you know it's two thirty five BABIP and an eighty five percent left on base rate. Yeah, I understand that those are probably going to move back toward toward the league averages eventually, but that, that might not be till next year. So I, I don't know. I've been in the eye test. He passes it for me as well, not just with the numbers. Not saying he's a 235 ERA guy, but I think you're going to get a quality start out of Seth Lugo. I especially like him against Philly. Definitely the pick of the day on Thursday. 
Let's move over to Friday, which is obviously a little bit more robust slate with everybody playing. I got a few names you can add to it. I know you're going to like the first one, Anthony Descofani. Uh, we got John Gray, also out of out of Coors. I would probably oh, have wait, still recommended. I recommend- had something to say about Blake Snell, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, how, I dare, just, how dare I? No, I, you know, it's not like that. But uh, I mean, Chatwood is just boring, boring. You know, I need innings. And I think there represents often a choice between, you know, I'm not going to win this week unless, you know, I get an Something awesome happens. start. Yeah. And then, or there's, I'm, a, I'm ahead, I'm protecting my ratios, and I just need to get a quality start so that if my opponent who's throwing like five guys gets five quality starts, I'm still ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, Absolutely. there's like managing from ahead and managing from behind. I think, I don't, I think there are different ways to play head to head, and I think there are different things to do. So, like, if I was behind and I just, you know, wanted to have one shining start, I'd go with Blake Snell over Chatwood because he has not been throwing his curveballs much recently. And I don't know. I think it might be because people aren't swinging at it so much. So either he starts throwing that curveball for for stolen strikes, or they start swinging at it. Like, there's definitely great stuff there, and. The Tampa, the New York team that he's facing, you know, the, they're some really good young hitters, but they're young hitters. A lot of them are now young hitters, and I could see them taking the wrong approach to him on any given night. So, well, and I could see him having faced them, right? Because they 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 would be in the International League together in AAA, so it might not be a situation where they're where they're new to Blake right. Snell when you're, when you're talking about some of these uh, some well, of these baby you know, bombers. You don't know how that'll that'll affect Snell's approach. I mean, maybe it could go like, it could go the other way too. Yeah, yeah. They, they might know him already and say, "Oh, Sanchez we're... loves to swing at this, so I'm just gonna." Also, you know, for what it's worth, if they did see him in the minor leagues, they didn't see a slider because That's he, true. Didn't, he didn't really throw the slider until he got to the big leagues, mm-hmm. and now it's a pitch he throws a fifth of the time. So, you know, they might be different. Anyway, he's the guy when I look across and I'm thinking about stuff. He's the guy I like his stuff even better than Lugo's. Lugo just has a you know a, an awesome matchup, and um, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to Snell. Snell's command isn't great, but it isn't I don't think like a four a four or five walk rate sort of command problem in, in the long run. And I agree with uh, you know trying to spike something big. He, he's the he's the one to go to, especially over Chat. What Chat would have agreed is boring. When I named those, they were not in the order I liked them. They were just in the right. alphabetical and, and order Wood, of the team. Like if you if you do want safer innings, I think Chatwood and Urena are kind of similar. Urena's stuff is pretty boring. He has a really good sinker. He's kind of I called him Perdomo light. Yep. Um, you know, really good sinker. Perdomo has a really good curve. Perdomo is Nova light. Um, I like I like where you're going on this train. Here. So you could go you go the ugly tree goes Nova, Perdomo, Urena. Um, but you haven't hit the bottom yet. The bottom no, you, is. Let me see. What, what's the bottom? Who who would be the bottom of that? Of that I'm very Adam curious Morgan. to hear this. I do not like that matchup. Eat it, Adam Morgan. Adam yeah, that's Morgan. Adam Morgan at and at the or Mets. Ryan Vogel song in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, that I agree. Not gonna be fun. What about Luis Sessa? He he squares off against Snell. I've never I haven't seen him pitch, so I don't really have a good feel on Sessa at all. Yeah, I don't. Do you have I don't any, anything on him? Yeah. No, there's no buzz in terms of uh, prospect status or any of that. So, and in terms it's, of it's been pretty blah. It's been chat woody in terms of just, uh, but way too many homers too. In fact, 
you look at it, 444 ERA for Sessa, 617 FIP, because uh, FIP's accounting for saying that uh, he hasn't really been punished for his home run rate at the level he should. He's giving up 2.4 homers per nine. Tampa it's Bay, not a the, huge power team. Oh, that, see, that's that's Three percent of his terrifying. fastballs have been hit for home runs. That's terrifying. So no no dice on Sessa. Let's go to Friday. I don't know and, why, and, though. I mean, 94 miles an hour, it's a little straight. It's straight. It's got to be straight. If it's if straight. it's Because it's, it's, that's decent velocity, like you're saying. But Sessa's getting crushed. Yeah. No no dice. I'll, I'll, I'll skip that. I'd rather go with Chat, Chatwood, to be honest. He's a sinker or something. Let's hit Friday up. Again, full slate. Plenty of guys. Anthony Descofani, John Gray, Jose De Leon. John Gray and De Leon going against each other. So you got to... You know, you wouldn't want to go with both if you were chasing W's. Friday it is, is in LA. a really great day. It really is. Uh, and James Paxton. And I only took four names because I knew that there would probably be more that you wanted to get into. But what do you think of these four uh, off the bat? Descofani, John Gray, Jose De Leon, and James Paxton. I think the Paxton-Gray question is the biggest one. Uh, okay. I didn't actually check Descofani. I think he's you know, more I, like three-quarters on. I actually, um, I think he was 60 at, at ESPN. That's why I included him. Uh, let's see if it's uh, different on Yahoo. Let's see if the Yahoo folks are 80, in on the game. 64. Okay. I guess that's right there. I should have put him in my article then. Anyway, so, yeah. um, you know, in Milwaukee is still not the easiest place to be. No, 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 no. Not, not at all. Um, Whereas Paxton but, is in Minnesota. And Minnesota's been an average team in the second half of the AL. But... That's by like weighted runs created plus and runs, and so I think when he's you know in Minnesota, that's a good matchup. Also, they, get colder, colder. Minnesota, I think, probably plays colder in the beginning and end of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and if he can keep Brian Dozier in the yard, they don't have a ton of, of power hitters. It um, is worth I, mentioning I, Dozier though because he's a righty. Yep. Um, and that's he's the best power hitter. But Paxton's been really good recently, and he's made all those changes, and I think he's sort of growing into those changes. John Gray, we've been talking about forever how he loves his curveball. The last start where he had 16 strikeouts against no walks in nine innings in Coors Field was the first time all season that John Gray has thrown the curveball as much as the slider. How nasty was that outing that he had? Yeah, that's the 16 and 0. Ooh, love it. The 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 O really sets off the 16 strike. Like the 16 yeah. strikeouts is always good, of course. Obviously it's a it was a Rockies record for John Gray his last time out in a in a shutout of the Padres, but the zero walks, man. That's yeah. a four, four hitter Four hit shutout. It was a ninety five game score. That's sexy. Yeah, that's sexy. Love John Gray. And also, you know, he's in an NL park, uh, Neutral NL Park, which, you know, I'd take that over Minnesota or Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all three of those guys, uh, I don't, I, I like them. I like them a lot. I think they're like, you know, in, their teams are probably favored to win those games um, on the sort of 60% level, you know, 55, 60%. Although John Gray against the Dodgers, that's a better lineup, better bullpen, you know. Gray might not get the W. Paxton might be more likely to get the W. But if it's a quality start league, Gray's probably going to get more strikeouts. Um, Discofani just shows up third in all those different ways. You know, third in matchup. Uh, third likeliest to have a big strikeout game. Um, well, and third likeliest to win the game because <laughs> it's just Cincinnati and they 
even if he takes them seven strong, you know, never know. That cool bullpen. That, bullpen. Yeah. that cool bullpen with their awesome, awesome record. <laughs> giving up the most homers ever. Taking it away from the 96 Tigers. You guys can have it. Right. Um, but so, but even, even beyond that level, there's yeah, a... Yeah, let's talk, let's talk some more. There's a, there's a sort of meaty middle. Um, like, Tyon at home against Washington is, um, you know, if, if there's that Chatwood grouping, the sinker guys, uh, Tyon's the, the very best of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer against the White Sox, the start after his beat writer uh, said their season was over. Yeah. And uh, Bauer went on Twitter and told him to stay home. He was displeased. And yeah, honestly, so... I, I get that from both <laughs> sides, by the way. And Bauer needs to get right because, <clears throat> you know, I did some research for ESPN today where I, I looked at their chances and they're actually, they're not bad. Like, there are other teams that have won championships in the last, in this decade, or, or uh, since 2000. There are other teams that have won with just one ace. Uh, and two average pitchers. So I counted well, yeah. Bauer as an average pitcher, but if he can be above average, you know, then they just need to cobble together one average guy from the rest of their guys. I mean, it's not good to follow in the tracks of the 2006 Cardinals and try to win with oh, Jeff Supon and Jeff Weaver. Don't bring those guys up to me, man. Don't do that. <laughs> that's so mean. That's just, that's really mean. Like, you should, be, I'm going to talk to Appleman about getting you fired. That's a hate crime. <laughs> Like that's disgusting that well, you, you do don't, that. Nobody, nobody should model their teams after the 2006 Cardinals. Um, that's true. We both hate that team, by the way. because yeah. they, they they ousted your Mets before taking down my Tigers. But it might have been I, one I of the luckiest right in terms of, wins of all time. But you know, there are other teams that have won. Like for example, the 2015 Royals. Mm-hmm. They had no ace. No, garbage. Really. Yeah. So like they, they, they're, they're, so you're going to go in with Kluber, Bauer, and, and um, figure it out. And, and figure it out. But then their bullpen, too. They, yes, they already that's are what using I, that's their bullpen. Their bullpen is on the level of the, the Royals and, you know, the, the, the strong bullpens. The, the, the classic bullpen, actually, it's so funny that everyone was giving the Royals all that love. The classic bullpen was the, the Yankees team that won it with uh, Moe, of course. Wetland but they had Moe, Robertson, uh, Phil Hughes. And another guy in the bullpen. I forget who the fourth guy was. Oh, Aceves. And oh, when I, I remember when Alfredo Aceves was good. Yeah, that was a really good bullpen because Robertson was amazing. I mean, Robertson yep. was like the wetland or the was Mo was, the, was Mo the Mo to, to Mo's wetland. wetland. Yeah. yeah. So the, you know, I don't let the Royals like you know changed baseball with the the idea that the bullpen can be a strength in October. The well, reason that the bullpen yeah, is in the bigger strength in the playoffs is that. Uh, you can actually push your bullpen usage to forty percent uh, of your innings, mm-hmm. like forty and forty-five percent. You can double your relievers' usage, which is uh, sort of what they've been doing in the last few years. So, you know, Cody Allen, Dan Otero is really good. Um, then Andrew Miller and Zach McAllister is pretty decent too. So I was going to say Otero, McAllister are going to be the sneak ones that people might not know about now that are going to be getting key outs for Cleveland if they're going to go far. Like, they're going to be getting a lot of big outs to get it to Miller and Allen, and then obviously those two are the stars. And then, you, and then like, Mike Clevenger plays the role of Alex Reyes, you know, which yeah, is, just you know, guy nobody knows ball. anything about coming in and, you know, maybe pitching two really big, huge games. I mean, it's not... Do they have a second lefty, though? Do they have They've a second? Only got, 
they've only got Miller, and then I'm seeing Kyle Crockett and Ryan Merritt currently on the team, but I don't, I don't really, which is I know think anything partially why uh, Miller hasn't been their their closer. Yeah, because they need they need a a, a bridge lefty, and I, I don't know. I like the way they've been using Miller. Obviously, it's not ideal for fantasy, but it's been brilliant the way they've been using him. Um, to get W's, and that's a, obviously that's all they care about. They don't care about our fantasy saves. And you really, can also the, the real lesson is get into the postseason. You know exactly, just get in, and that's yeah. uh, what the 2006 Cardinals taught more than anything. Yeah, is okay. once you get it, don't you know we're gonna do it again because it happens every year. And I mean, I mean the baseball community, not necessarily us. You're gonna be judging teams when you make your picks. You're gonna be judging based on how they played in September and how they played the last couple weeks. You're making a mistake. It does not matter because not only does the does the odometer kind of reset in October but it's also a different game the way it's played like you said 40 to 45 percent can be relief innings hitting becomes a lot more uh sparse it's it's just a completely different environment if there is such a thing as a hitter that only hits against bad pitchers I don't know what kind of a hitter that might be maybe Matt Kemp does something like that um, then, you know, there might be something there about, like, it being tougher to, to hit in the postseason. Uh, but the one thing that I said also in the article was it's great that um, the Indians have lots of different kinds of hitters. They do, yeah. I mean, because they have the slappies. You know, they have, uh, they have Lindor. I mean, I'm not calling – I know Lindor wait, has wait. the power. But... I got it. I like, I like this. Nappy and the Slappies. <laughs> right. so this is Mike Napoli and and, Nappy and, the, and the, Santana are more the uh, you know fly ball hitting sluggers that strike out. Yeah, the um, OBP sluggers and then the Slappies. Yeah, and uh, and and they're like really good at hitting off speed stuff, like near historic. But you know they do have Kipnis and um, and Santana who are good against fastballs. So it's just a it's just a really good team. They have three switch hitters that are that are like important hitters: Lindor, Ramirez, Jose Ramirez, and Carlos Santana. Yeah, they're Santana. not super righty heavy like the like the uh, Blue Jays. Yeah, exactly. So, and they've got good righties. They've got speed uh, with Rajay Davis, Ramirez, Lindor. Kipnis can run. They got power. Like this is still, you know, Hoynes. Paul Hoynes was the beat writer who wrote that, and I understand what he was saying. You know, he's reacting mostly to Carrasco getting hit in the hand and his season being over. And he's free to have an opinion. Um, I actually didn't really have a problem with Bauer and Kipnis getting upset by it either, though. This is one of those ones where it's like, I see both sides. I totally get that both sides are... But, but to be honest, saying something like their, their postseason is, an, is over... Before it starts. Before it starts is not... <clears throat> it's, it reeks a little bit of clickbait, A. That's fair. And B, it's not something that's really rooted in... Fact. The kind of thought that we like to put into our pieces, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, yeah. Like if you, like if I wrote something like that, I would say, you know, only one team in the last twenty years has won, has lost with, their ace, it, yeah, it, and, has lost their ace and won the problem. Like he did none of that. He was just kind of like, oh, you know, throw your hands up in the air. But I went and looked, and there were four teams that won since two thousand. There have been four teams that won it all without an ace. Without a single ace. I mean, it's and, you, and and they have an ace. 
Yeah. They have a bona fide, they, they have the potential Cy Young winner in yeah. Corey Kluber. So they do have their ace. They have quality pitching beyond that uh, in the bullpen. We'll, again, we'll see kind of how the other starters do. Like you said, Bauer is going to have to get back on track and be good Bauer for, for the most part, or else they are going to struggle there. Um, Cody Anderson's coming back up, and he's going to start and Saturday. And Salazar I think. is not, like, toast. I mean, he's not. He, you think they should try to get him back to relieve? Salazar? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they should try to get him back no matter what. If they did get him in relief, that, that gives him like five ace close, ace relievers, and you bring Salazar in in the fourth. Like, you put Clevenger out there, and you just hope he can make it through like three innings, you know? Yeah, get one yeah. one th- one time through the lineup, and, and then, then you go Salazar. Salazar for like two innings, and then, you know, if he can do it. He's a little bit more open. stretched out than a reliever, but he's coming off injuries, so. Yeah. You know. I, I, think, I think that would almost be... The, the better plan of action to just say, we're only trying to prepare you to be a reliever. We're not worried about you going out and going five, six, seven innings. Let's so just get the you don't have to stretch uh, out. You don't have two. to go on a rehab start. You don't have to, you know, you basically just have to be able to do your throw day and a little bit, you know, more with a little bit more uh, oomph behind it. And then you're exactly. kind of piggybacking Salazar then uh, with the sort of Clevenger. Uh, and they were talking about going to a three-man rotation, which, you know, in the postseason is a lot more doable. So... Can we Kluber anything about pitch it. well on short rest? That's a question that doesn't even it doesn't even make much sense to look at what he's done in the past because he's probably done it four or five times or something. And, yeah, you know. I'm sure folks are wondering like why we haven't said anything about Josh Tomlin because he's not very good. Okay. Well, he's in that mix. I mean, that's what the third man the third man is in that rotation is is um, Tomlin and Clevenger. Although I will I will give Tomlin some credit here. Uh, his last two starts have been really good and homer free. And the reason I never bought in earlier, even when he carried like a mid threes ERA through his through the first three months of the season, was because he was still consistently giving up home runs, and I, I felt like it was going to come back to him, and it, and it did. And in one fell swoop, really, it was all in August that it just came crashing down on him. He had twenty six and two thirds innings of an eleven forty eight ERA. Josh Tomlin did thanks to ten homers. However, these two starts here in September have both been homer free. I yeah, I mean that's it's been good for it, but I wonder if there's something there with Tomlin. I mean, it would take more research, but I wonder if there's guys like Tomlin who are in the zone very a lot. I wonder if they're bad um, matchups. Uh, they're good matchups against patient teams, and they're bad because matchups. they keep getting ahead. Yeah, they're well against patient teams. Um, uh, he fills up the zone, right? Mm-hmm. So if he can sort of dot the edges. They aren't. They're less likely to swing than other teams. Then he gets ahead, and yeah, yeah. Then he doesn't have to come into the zone with something that can hit hit out of the park. But maybe like an aggressive team. I'm thinking like like what if Tomlin was a good matchup against the Blue Jays and a bad matchup against the Rangers? You know, that's and, that's really interesting. Or like the Red Sox and the Rangers. So um, if they have identified something like that, then maybe they start Tomlin for the first three innings with Clevenger on high alert. Um, and or or it's the opposite. So I don't know. It's it's not impossible. Uh, it's all a, it's all a crapshoot. We're I hope that the you know some of the streaming stuff that we we've talked about is more than a, a crapshoot. I do I do like Friday. And if you wanted to skip, look past Thursday and try to get a bunch of Friday guys now, that might be the best way to do it. I completely agree. Um, Lugo is about the only one I'd really bend over backwards to try to get on Thursday. If you wanted to skip the others. Um, and like you said, load up, maybe get a, a Paxton and a Gray 
Anna Descalfani, you know, depending on what, what's available to you, I completely agree. Uh, you could look at, at a Matt Whistler uh, and a Andrew Ch Trashner. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, these are Friday guys. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah, down no, the I line on Friday. Albert Suarez against San Diego is your – Continues is to pitch well. He's a Tyler Chatwood type, you know. He's a yeah, sinker yeah. guy. Um, you know, uh, so I think Suarez and Tyon. Tyon, then Suarez, that's the middle grouping. Um, oh, yeah, I like Tyon as well, too. Yeah. And, uh, Helixson. Bauer, what about and, against Bauer the Mets? and Kashner there. Helixson is probably in the first group. Yeah, he's been pitching well. Against Zach Davies likely to be available. Yeah, like th this is that's a day to load up. That Friday's Friday's thick, man. I only I only threw out the first couple names because I knew we'd get to to the others. I mean, there any where, league where you type you're Davis? in. Where do you put Davies in that grouping? I That's actually put him yeah. right right there with the. Uh, well, I actually I think I bumped Tyon up a little bit even more than you do because I kind of like him with that initial run that mm -hmm. I gave, Paxton, and then um, Gray somewhere in there. Yeah, and then Helixson right on that cusp. Yeah. The only issue I have with Helixson is that he has been prone to homers, and that's the one thing that the Mets have done offensively this year is hit homers. Of course, if there's nobody on, I don't mind if you give up a couple solo shots. If you're going to go out and give seven strikeouts and six innings and, and, and have a decent – you know that, that, that'd be a plus outing for him. He doesn't usually get a ton of strikeouts, Helixson. But he's been good all year. And so um, I, I, I really like what he's been able to do. He had a really sharp outing his last time out complete game against Miami. Interestingly enough, that was the team that was most rumored to get him. Still surprised he didn't get dealt at all. I, that, that, that really kind of blew my mind. Do you think they're going to re-sign him, uh, the Phillies, for Helixson? Yes, yes. I think that is the one thing they'll do is something like that. Um, I doubt that they're going to go for like a Jaime Garcia who's been injured a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that they do need pitching. Uh, I think when they were good at the beginning of the last year, uh, it was because Nola was healthy and Velasquez was healthy. So they're kind of they're what they're building is kind of an any given year team, which is the year that Nola and Velasquez are healthy. All of a sudden, you have a legit one too. I think. I agree. Um, you sign in Helix and they have like a three, and then you hope some of your other guys turn into four fives. You're giving them all you know extended looks right now. And you hope Franco busts out, parlays yeah. his first half a little bit. Uh, into a full season, you got Tommy Joseph has, power. Franco has that that ability, I think, still in him. I I like Franco, and oh, then you yeah. got JP Crawford, who's going to change one of the worst weaknesses on the team to a strength. You know, if they sign Helixson and a corner outfielder next year, um, what like about if, Redick for them? Like if Yo, if Cespedes left his deal, and Philly signed Cespedes and Helixson and a reliever or something, like. Uh, I'm not. They wouldn't be favorites, but they would be right there with the Mets all of a sudden. I think they, they they're in a position to mess around and make some noise again. Yeah. You know, the noise they made this year I thought was artificial, um, and and they and they fell back. But but it, it was based on some talent too, and it was some of that uh, some of that starting pitching talent. So yeah, take a look at Helixson as well. You know, there's a lot to look at on Friday. Friday's your make hey day. Don't right, save it for the weekend, folks. Let's do a quick ranking then. Let's, okay. Let's let's uh, put dollars to donuts here. I don't know what that means. I'm gonna um, say Paxton's yeah. my number one. Paxton's your number one. I'm going Gray. Gray Paxton. You going Paxton? I was gonna gray. I was gonna say Gray. So Gray is my number two. Like they're 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 right there. All right. So number three streamer. Tyon for me. Like I said, I got him right up there where where you had him. I love Tyon, man. 
Yeah, but that change is no good. And, and my, my one concern, though, is from a fantasy standpoint, you're not going to really get K. If you're chasing Ks, that's not going to be, you know, I'd shift to, to Descalfani at that point. So let that be your guide. So Descalfani is my four. If, if Ks are your big chase, go Descalfani. If quality innings, a, a, hopefully a W, you know, just, just a good start, then I'm going to lean Tyon. I'm going to go Descalfani Tyon. Okay. Um, and, and then I guess then we both have Helixson next. Or Helixson, then Davies, yeah. Helixson, yeah, then Davies for me. Davies. Uh, Davies will have a hard time getting the win. Agreed. He's He'll be facing Descafani. And uh, Helixson's up against Enoa, who's, I think, uh, maybe maybe above Kashner and is a okay streamer, but then hard for him to get the win, too. So I think where, you have to give Suarez. a little bit of a look at the very end when it's, when it's close like that to, uh, to who might get the win. And then the, we finish up with uh, some combination of Suarez, Kashner, and De Leon. And uh, De Leon, yeah. De Leon's your 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 K's at all costs guy, right? Because right. he could get he could get smashed up. Kashner, but, but st- the win is the the thing I think, because okay. it's hard to bet on Suarez for the win with the way the Giants are playing. Where's Where's Bauer rank? We forgot him because actually the projected starter list I showed had Cody Anderson there, but uh, then I saw ESPN was listing Bauer, so Cody Anderson I think is going to be Saturday. Oh, so where does Bauer fit in? I forgot to slot him. I would say a he- after Helixson and Davies for me. Yeah, ahead of Suarez and Kashner. Okay, okay, and then any love for Edwin Jackson, the best pitcher ever? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I love Edwin Jackson, but yeah. Was... You, that's a, you can't you can't take that for for me. I don't think you can. It's too big of a risk. Cores, but it's not in cores. Where is he? No, it's against San Francisco at home. Oh right. But he hasn't. I don't. I just. I, I, I just. It was mostly a joke. Yeah, I just want to make we, fun of it. No Edwin Jackson. How do you how do you know which Edwin Jackson you're getting? You have no idea, and it could it could seriously it could end really your week. Be, it could end everything. Yeah. So okay. Don't 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 do that. <laughs> don't end don't everything. Do don't end everything. He could end your fantasy football season. That's how bad he could be. <laughs> I don't know how, but Somehow don't he test it. Over and injured my quarterback. Yeah, he <laughs> totally screwed your quarterback over, and now you're you're done. So just just don't don't mess with Edwin Jackson. All right, you know you got to get out and uh, dominate the court. I got to get hyped for Kanye. Chris Stapps. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on Friday. Chris Have Stapps. a good one. Chris Stapps, boys. <laughs> Peace. Peace.